Star. Yeah, it looks super weird. Live from Mars, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer with me, Mr. Lady Ada, who is controlling um, the ornithopters on this dune planet that we live. That's right. Um, we got an exciting show for you tonight. Lots of stuff going on. We have a break on 3D Hangouts, but still lots of new products, yeah, tutorials, lots of tutorials. Talk about some current news and more. API, and, uh, some cool pictures. It's not actually as yellow as it seems. It's not as yellow as it was um, before. But we have some pictures from today here in New York City. Yeah. where we go all over the news is the number one most uh, toxic air today. Yay. We're um, number one. Take, yay, take yay. that, Delhi, India. Um, and at New York City is where we do all of our uh, engineering and tutorial writing and viewing. We do our manufacturing here. Uh, we love this place, even when sometimes it's trying to kill us. Uh, <laughs> so let's go straight into the show. What's on tonight's videos? On tonight's show, the code is audio BFF. Well, it makes sense soon, but you can probably guess it's going to be one of our products. 10% off the native store all the way up to 11.59 tonight. Talk about some of our live shows, including Show and Tell. Thank you, Liz, for doing Show and Tell. We have a highlight from JP's product pick of the week. We have some Adafruit factory footage. Very cool. IMPI. Some live demos with top secret stuff from our Lady Ada. New products. We're going to your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Look at your questions. Probably the best time is towards the end, but if you want to put them there ahead of time, it's cool. It's cool. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Okay, so let's per first pay some bills. Um, code is audio BFF. Um, we have our freebies uh, have been replenished, restocked. So. That's right. $99 or more, you get the half-size Permaproto breadboard. We've had that for quite a while. 149 we still have KB2040s and RP2040 microcontroller. That's ProMicro pinout. It's got castellated pads, STEMIQT, USB-C. Great for building all sorts of projects um, with a powerful chip that can do Arduino or CircuitPython or MicroPython. And back, uh, you guessed it, the Circuit Playground Express makes its triumphant return. We have more in stock. We are slowly but surely getting those SAMD21 chips in, which lets us make the Circuit Playground Expresses. Um, you know it. You love it. It's uh, available if you order um $2.99 or more in the shop, and then $1.99 or more uh, you get for UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. Yeah. Um, JP's product pick of the week, that is when we broadcast live from the product page where the discounts automatically applied. Here is this week's highlight. Take it away, JP. The ADS-1X15 ADC. This is the 16-bit one. This is the 1115. We also have the 1015, which is a 12-bit. This will give you up to four channels of high-quality, high-resolution analog-to-digital conversion, perfect for knobs and sliders and soft potentiometers or other analog sensor reading needs. I'm going to be reading those knobs and turning those values into the frequency we hear on a pair of sawtooth waveform oscillators. So here I wanted to tune a nice interval and I can really fine tune that. Thanks to that high resolution of those ADCs. The ADS-1X15 16-bit and 12-bit ADC breakouts with Stemma QT. And don't forget GP's workshop is tomorrow tune into that there is a deep dive with tim on fridays uh happy pride month everyone you'll notice just like we do every single year we have the flags going the flags evolve each year and so have we so you can check out the uh, progress flag that we have across the different pages on adafruit and as usual we have some editorial you can go to um, blog right now and check out uh, posts celebrating people in the community, historic figures, folks that have made a dent in this universe here. Um, I thought this was kind of neat. Uh, here's uh, Usenet and internet pioneer, Marianne Horton. If you've ever used Usenet, you probably know. That's cool. Work. 
So check this out all month long as we celebrate and more, and you'll see. Yeah, and you'll see some surprises and uh, cool stuff across the blog and our social media properties. Um, because we were asked throughout the day today, we're like, hey, um, how's it in New York? So this is just straight off my iPhone, didn't do any filters or anything. This is normally where you can see um, the Empire State Building. So this is um, Lower Manhattan looking north. Um, right in the center is where Empire State Building is. Can't see that. Here is um, from the video in the beginning that you saw. This is just us uh, on our way to the office. Uh, or back is one of the two. And the sun was, uh, you know, pretty covered up by the, the clouds. Looks like around 1 o'clock or so is when it was was orangey. And uh, this is just going across the uh, crosswalk. So um, we're wearing masks. All of our team members have KN95s. Um, we've had those since COVID. <laughs> and we have high-quality air filters at stations. Um, folks are... Still does a nice HEPA filter. Yeah. Folks are free to use their, their paid time off, but they have any health issues. They've ran out of paid time off. We've said, hey, let us know. We'll juice you up so you can uh, get out of here for any health reasons. So we're, we're watching the situation. It looks like it's improved. Um, this is what all of our lives have been in the last, you know, day. It's like, watch out. So the red sections is unhealthy. People in California are kind of used to this with wildfires. Uh, this is somewhat new to New York. I think they're saying that the air quality in New York hasn't been like this since they've been measuring it. So um, this is where it peaked earlier today. And then uh, as a public service, um, we reposted and posted up um, our guide. So this is from Brent. And uh, Brent put together uh, pretty he's, good. He's in Rhode Island in New York, so he's definitely yeah. Interested so, in... so he put together a pretty uh, good list of resources. We wanted to get the word out, so I put this on the social media places uh, in our blog. This is where Brent put it. What's in the air? Information sensors and guides for building a DIY air quality sensor. So it's not too late. You might want to you know consider building one of these because this is going to happen again. Um, you can look at uh, what AQI is. How does it correlate with the particulate matter in the air? Um, can you measure it yourself? Yeah, matter of fact, you can. Um, what if you wanted to build something? What if you wanted to make it open source? And what if you wanted to log it somewhere? So these are all the things that you can do uh, pretty much right now. Uh, you probably already have the components in your house. Use the code <laughs> Audio BFF to get 10% off to uh, make some of these things on your own. Um, so that's something we thought we'd try to get out there. And um, this is going to happen again. And just the way things are going, you know, we have air quality sensors, the data for CO2 sensors, because we want to see how many people in there. We have AQI sensors to see what the uh, index is around the building and more. And then, of course, everyone's hyper interested in this today, probably tomorrow and over the weekend, because the fires in Canada are um, causing smoke to fill. The air. Yeah, the air here. <laughs> um, but turns out we're all connected. So, um, you know, this, okay. this is how it works out. So there's something on fire somewhere else. Eventually, it impacts you. Um, so I don't know a good segue <laughs> into the next topic. Anyways. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to do is make sure we had something to link to because uh, folks are going to ask us. Uh, so let me just start off with uh, the following because I think this is the easiest way to do it. We're an open source hardware company. We do open source hardware. We'll always publish our files in whatever format we use to make open source hardware. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what tool you use. Doesn't matter. Um, you can use KiCad. You could use Eagle. You can use Fusion. You can use Altium. Doesn't matter. What does matter is you're publishing the files with the tool that you made them with. Most of the tools have XML import, export, blah, blah, blah. But there's changes ahead. It looks like Eagle, no surprise by the way, is going to be ending in uh, 2026. So, Ada, we're going to get asked a lot. What is Adafruit going to do? Um, yeah. So, keep that. Ada, what are we going to do? One one thing to be uh, clear, it's not like it's being deleted. Um, the code is getting wrapped into Fusion 360. Um, so right now I use a standalone application called Eagle 9. I double click Eagle 9. It opens up. I have my files. I do my routing. 
Um, I try to make sure everything's correct and I order, you know, I export Gerber's and I send them off. Um, it seems like in the next three years, what will happen is um, three, Fusion 360, which is their kind of electromechanical all-in-one, um, you know, mechanical, electrical, like fusion system, where it's much about fusion because you can design enclosures, you can design PCBs and you put them together and it like renders and everything and it's beautiful and you don't make mistakes. Um, Eagle is going to be merged into that, which makes sense. Like Autodesk was probably like, we don't want to run, write our own um, electronics, uh, you know, uh, routing and management software. It's extremely hard to do. So instead, we're going to write Eagle and we'll integrate it. Um, so the idea of having a standalone double clickable Eagle app will end. You will have to use Fusion 360. That's actually not so bad. It's just like, okay, you have to just open another app. And then within that app, you could still have access to all of the um eagle access and i i don't know what the pricing is but i'm assuming the pricing is equally as annoying which it's like a month it's a monthly yearly subscription and isn't like a buy once yeah there's gonna be um you know conversations about that yeah about okay you know now you're stuck paying a monthly fee because that's where everything makes I, mean, I, pay, I pay a monthly fee now anyways yeah the question um and i think someone just mentioned in the chat that i had was what are you going to do for folks on linux I don't know. It's something you should have to ask Autodesk. And, yeah. and another thing is, is that, you know, does... You run Windows as, on your... I, I do run Windows because the vast majority of electronic software is written for Windows, yeah. whether you like it or not. It's okay I used to, to run Linux as a kid. It's okay to run Windows. We have we have Linuxy stuff everywhere. We do stuff for Linux. It's okay. Um, you don't yeah. have to run Linux to run open source hardware, to make open source hardware, sorry. But if you're using tools like Eagle and you're like, well, fine, I'll continue to stick with whatever it's going to be, um, who knows? So the good news is that it's a couple years away, so you have time to to transition. Um, you know, if I want to move to KiCad from Eagle, now would be a good time. I might check out Fusion 360. Um, on one hand, it's annoying that they don't have it available for all platforms, and maybe the software isn't as fast or whatever. On the other hand, I'm the only person I for doing electronics design right now, so it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, if I'm the only person using it. I should use whatever makes it easiest for me to design hardware um, because that's what's most important to me. It's like it's open source. It's an XML format and uh, it can be imported into KiCad if people desire. Um, I could learn KiCad, but it's one of those things where, I, you know, all um, CAD software is equally bad. So use the one that you know best. I know this one best. Um, and so I'm most comfortable with it. But like I said, it's an XML so, file format. You could always import it into something. So I'll, I'll just try to ask like questions from like audience point of view because I think that's going to be a thing. Okay, so Adafruit, you publish Eagle files. Yeah. And I and I can always and I've been able to open them up with like the free version of, of EagleCAD, or like I've been able to look at them. Yeah. I've been able to import them. Um, what what's going to happen in 2026? What what file? What type of file are you going to publish? Well. It's probably going to be called a Fusion 360 file. Yeah. Uh, if I continue to use EagleCAD, sorry, the electronics workflow within Fusion 360. Um, looking at the fact, it appears that there is a free viewer for, for uh, Eagle 360, uh, much like there's a free viewer for uh, EagleCAD now. So you think that's that there's going to be Fusion 360 file format, and then like when people want to do stuff, they'll just get their, whatever free version of Fusion 360 is available or trial, and they'll be able to yeah. get these files. I mean, or an importer or exporter. It's not like when people distribute KiCad files, that's any easier to open and, and read if you haven't used KiCad before. Like, all CAD files, you know, people have sent me KiCad files, and I've opened them in KiCad, and I'm just like, I don't really know how to use the software. Um, so it's not, it's not that different. Um, you know, I've had, I've opened Altium files. Um, if you remember, we've had some experiences where, yeah. you know, verifying that Altium files really do contain all the open source hardware definition, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the you know, definition compliant hardware. Um, it's kind of life. Um, I mean, it's it's not my company, so I don't get to choose what Autodesk does. Um, I'm glad that at least they're giving us plenty of lead time. Yeah. Well, okay, I'll ask another audience question. Okay, I use, I'm just like you, lady. I use EagleCAD 9. Yeah. What happens when I double-click it in 2027? Will it, will it just stop working? It uh, will... You'll be able to probably view things, but it will ping the server to get um, your certification because, you know, you, it, it checks every two weeks yeah. to verify that you're... They're going to turn those servers off? That will turn off. And so 
I don't know if Eagle will just not open or if um, yeah. it will open, but you won't be able to edit, which would be ideal because it should be cool if it ran, but just didn't let you edit. Um, that said, you know, at this time, you can still download Eagle 7.7, which was the last CADsoft release. Um, and that, did that phone home? Did it? That does not phone home okay. because it's the pre Autodesk integration. And I haven't checked whether seven, seven can open nine files. Again, it's, it's for viewing, not for editing, because if you want to edit, you would probably export it to CACAN anyways. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, next question. Would we like take all, would we do a conversion of all our files? I would not convert any old files because i haven't i still have stuff that's published as eagle 5. yeah uh you know if it's old enough like the minty boost files it's eagle yeah. 5 and those will probably always be importable into whatever right yes i mean again they're xml they're, they're always going to be readable um and you can always download this you know i hopefully you'll always be able to download this eagle 77 viewer viewing is not the issue it's editing that might be you know annoying you probably will have to install fusion 360 and that will be yeah. Not so fun. But on the other hand, Noam Pedro used Fusion 360 all the time for their 3D stuff. Yeah. And so I guess someone, if they wanted to be safe and they're in this industry, um, we just went through a whole reverse engineering project with Teddy Ruxpin stuff from like 2017. Yeah. It's kind of when it, you know, we needed a Nexus 7. Might be a good idea. Two Nexus 7. Might be a way to, Nexus good 7. idea to squirrel away those copies of Eagle. Uh, CAD 7.7 yeah. and just have it somewhere just in case um, you know yeah I mean I have to go through and actually check all these things because um, it, now there's actually a reason, reason to do so yeah. I mean we'll see I mean when, when when the deadline comes and if I absolutely like can't stand Fusion 360 I'll just use I'll just switch over to KiCad it'll be annoying but like it'll take a couple months I'll get better at it and then yeah. I'll eventually be able to crank out the same number of designs it's just I'm comfortable with what I've got okay. Um, Well, thanks for entertaining my questions, Thank Lady Ada, because welcome. I think we're going to get asked the same questions over and over and over again, especially on like Twitter and social media, where there's no like history. <laughs> it's like it's a new day. I'm gonna someone else is gonna ask the same question, oh, which is fine. Um, but what I can do is I can I can send a link to this. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the things as a community that we could ask for is like, hey, you know, totally get it out of this. You know, you're your it's your circus um you can do whatever you want but what would be nice is something like hey like we're not we're not going to turn off the activation servers or we're going to do something so like if you have this thing that you bought there's no updates but it just it just works yeah essentially I, I forever eagle, that would be nice eagle 7 was the last one where you did not it did not phone home i, I mean i don't know off the top of my head i'm not from my computer but you yeah. know ideally um for for software preservation reasons so to be able to read yeah. these old files it would be it's good to always have the free viewer available um definitely you know i would suggest everybody grab a copy and, and cap and keep it on the off chance that they remove it i don't think that autodesk is at all malicious right i don't i think that they're this makes sense for them they're like why well, maintain two pieces of software yeah it's not like it's a person or there's a thing it's um investors and publicly held companies and how many people do we have that use this other thing? Okay, great. Can we get them into this thing so we can show a quarterly profit? Like, you know, one of the one of the things that's nice about being a a, a company like Adafruit is we don't answer to um, shareholders. You know, we do weird stuff. We hack teddy bears, publish the files, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they're kind of stuck. I, I get it. Don't like it. Get it though. On the other hand, maybe like, you know, one of the good things about Fusion 360 is I haven't done a lot of enclosure design and maybe like yeah. having it integrated and rendered would make it easy for me to do 3D models and enclosures. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. And then lastly, I'll say this. Autodesk, here's a huge opportunity to show how great it could be. And people could say, wow, I can't believe um, this is so inexpensive, this subscription thing. I get so much value. My designs are great. I can do so many more things with this tool because they decided to do this. Said no one ever, but... You know, I it's an opportunity. Well, I mean, I subscribed to Eagle Dow, and it's like it's not it is a yearly subscription, but it's worth it. Like I get the value. Yeah, but they they have a chance to to migrate all these people over into something they have multiple years. Yeah, and people can say, "Wow, out of all the companies, I also have to see if, just... if there's been more development on the electronics design on the side of Eagle." I think you know Eagle they stopped adding um, some functionality, but I think. Um, 
in Fusion 360, maybe they added more and that would be cool. I mean, they did a huge amount of work um, up to uh, the integration of Fusion 360. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, I, you know, I'm in my cave, I'm running XE Max and Eagle 9 and, you know, Adam, which also discontinued. Like, I love using discontinued software. Um, yeah. You know what I meant? We, you, you went to see my parents and my dad has his copy of LaTeX that, you know, renderer that he's been using for the last, like, 15 years. And I'm like, hey, you know, there's new LaTeX renderers. He's like, but this yeah. one, I really like this renderer. <laughs> I think that there's a... And we'll we'll move on to the you know we have a lot ahead, but I think there's a couple of different philosophies on how companies can do things with software, and it does seem like companies do have a choice. Like, yeah, we're not supporting that anymore, and uh, we're not going to you know maliciously turn it off. So you're forced to do something. Like, if you have it and it's old, cool, whatever. We're not going to support it. It's not going to probably run on different operating systems. But if you want to have that old piece of software that works forever, that's on you. Yeah, I, I don't like it when they reach in and they they're like, we're turning this off. Don't like that. Anyways. OK, so let's keep it moving. So remember, when I was talking about how we're an open source hardware company, Lydia. Yes, and we are. So let's uh, let's do some guides. You ready? People are bad mouthing me about using X Max in your chat. <laughs> OK. All right. But who has the most library code written? Me. So who cares about using the XEMAX? I'm, I'm like, it, I'll tell you a thing about XEMAX. It opens files very, very quickly. Very big files, very yeah. fast. And you can search very fast. Um, about guides. So we tried to get GitHub to tell us, it's like, hey, who, who it, does Lamore have the most open source libraries? And they're like, oh, we don't really want to tell you. It's like, <laughs> I have the dumbest editing, computer, like software editing setup, but you know what? Um, it works for I, me. I've seen this trend. Prolific creators, they have their own way of doing things, and that's why they're prolific creators. And everyone who criticizes, they never I've never seen anyone who has more of the quantity of the thing you're talking about. Um, they're like, why are you doing this way? You, I have, I, there's been times when Phil, I, I love him dearly, but he has looked at me at, at using my computer, and he's like, you're using your computer wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think, Todd? Like, like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's a little hoardy. Yeah. Okay. okay, so we have some guides. Yeah, we got some good guides. Um, Anne published her um, second in a series of three or four on how to make a wearable badge PCB art. Um, you know, the first one was a very simple uh, floppy disk earring, very cute. And she stepped it up this time, adding battery switch and LEDs to make a light up NASA badge. I think the meatball logo is a perfect uh, PCB badge to uh, experiment with. Um, so check it out. Uh, she's learning a lot and publishing everything. And I've never seen any guy that has this much information about how to actually create like your very own first PCB badge with like really cool silk screen and solder mask and everything. Um, Liz um, uh, did a new synth. Liz is like the person allowed to make synthesizers here. Uh, her and uh, JP are, are the, the synth, resident synth heads. Um, we got these cool ANO uh, rotary encoders with like navigation switches, rotary encoder and a button, um, like old iPod classics. And uh, we finally had the I squared C version in the shop. And she was like, I want to do like a weird sequencer. And I was like, go to town. You got this really weird interface. Make the weirdest synthesizer. And she made a circle of fifth Euclidean synth. What does that even mean? I don't know. But like, look at it. It's got red, orange, teal, green, blue, white, uh, alphanumeric you've got five of those like cool rotary encoders you've got something like bicolor color matrix bleeping over here play whatever check it out it's it's cool and funky and i bet the video is very good liz also published the um adafruit neo driver which is our i squared seed and neopixel converter board very handy when you have a lip potato board apparently those that exists uh, stuff that uses all winner or uh, rock chip or x86 or whatever doesn't use the raspberry pi chipset um you want it to control neopixels it's very hard to do that with from a single board linux computer but if you add this suddenly you know i squared c and neopixels makes it very easy um liz has chosen to pick this guy because she wrote a book about the asus tinker board which is you know a raspberry pi killer that didn't didn't quite kill the raspberry pi uh but it did its best so uh she had a lot of experience with that got liz a job at adafruit and that it did yeah. um it's the xemax of her lifetime uh from eva we've got her guide for a clue shot timer 
uh, Eva does sport shooting and you want to see how fast you can shoot targets uh, in sport shooting. And so this timer uses a microphone, a very cool project. Uh, she learned a lot. I think all of these are ones that we went over. Like no, with the Feather DVI guys. guys that's new. Oh, yeah. oh. Jenny was on holiday, came back and, and finished the DVI guide. Oh. It's massive. Uh, you can use the Feather DVI with Arduino or CircuitPython. Um, yeah, if you scroll, it'll just keep, it'll scroll forever, forever. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll never end. Keep going. And then, um, PatriotDragon actually just did an update too to the, um, the DVI, the Pico DVI library in Arduino to make it so you can start and stop, uh, which is important because we need okay. that for, uh, Jepler's upcoming CPM, uh, tutorial guide. And then JP finished his computer perfection synthesizer yeah. guide as well uses uh it it reuses this old computer perfection game and people are probably like how could jp destroy this historic monument to technology first off he actually did a really good job showing how you can reuse the circuit board without damaging anything it can totally be turned back yeah. into a 1970s um weird Simple science. Most, if not yeah. all of the things that we get off ebay and like yard sales it's already broken it's heading towards the landfill yeah. So if something, of course, is like mint condition, pristine, you know, that should go in like a old tech museum or something. But this is like, like old broken toys. Here's the thing. You want to put a new life on it. All of them smell like cigarette smoke, too. Like, it's true. It's just, they're stanky. Yeah. Uh, but he turned into a very cool synthesizer. All this, uh, this and Liz's guide are both using, using Jepler's new synth IO yeah. um, library in CircuitPython, which is extremely cool. Um, unless you make uh, really funky synthesizers using like native lfos and filters um and plugging little pieces together and um it's neat because i don't do anything with synthesizers i uh, neither does jeplard that's why it's perfect for us to work on this project because um we we cannot be seduced by the seductive power of synthesizers forever oh. instead liz and jeplard and uh, liz and jp do them so we have a video from liz and then i'm gonna roll right into um some factory footage and then we'll do some impi so here we go did you know that you can build synths with CircuitPython now? In this project, you'll build synthesizers that celebrates all things circular. The circle of fifths, Euclidean rhythms, and rotary encoders. Four synth voices play random notes in a triad to the beat of a determined Euclidean rhythm animated on an 8x8 matrix. Euclidean rhythms are derived from an algorithm that determines how to spread the number of steps over a number of beats as equally as possible. You can build some complex polyrhythms this way that sound really interesting. With the ANO rotary encoders, you can scroll through the circle of fifths on each synth voice to change the triad chord for easy modulation between keys. The code is written in CircuitPython with the SynthIO module and runs on a Feather RP2040. The synth has multiple modes that are accessed and controlled with the ANO rotary encoders. Alphanumeric displays let you see various parameters depending on the mode, such as BPM and filter values. See how you can build your own synthesizer by checking out the Learn Guide at learn.adafruit.com.
that's our factory footage. So before we get going over to NMPI, don't forget the code is audio BFF. It will pay for an air purifier for our apartment. <laughs> and and air purifiers for the staff. We have plenty, but maybe we should pick up more. Um, more filters. Well the fil the filter we're gonna have to change out. Yeah. There too. Alright, so it's just my MPI. Hi, on MPI. Hi, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you, DigiKey. This week it is from Vibronics. We've never used, uh, we've never featured Vibronics on an FPI. It's a cool logo. They do have a cool logo. It's a company they make vibrating motors, uh, e, uh, ERMs or LRAs, and you're like, what are those? We're going to tell you all about them. Um, so this is the featured product. Uh, this is a rectangular LRA, uh, but they have the whole INPI is because they have a whole series of um, LRAs available at DigiKey. And I've never really known the difference between LRAs and ERMs, what they're for. Um, the specific part number we're covering is the VLV152564. Um, those numbers are like, you know, probably just the um, sizing of the uh, uh, board. You see it's like 6.4 millimeters, that's 64. And then 25 is 25 millimeters by 15 millimeters. So 15 by 25 by 6.4 millimeters. It's actually, um, batteries are also labeled the same way. So these are LRAs. They're um, linear resonant actuators. That's what it stands for. Um, and these are vibrating motors that are enclosed into like a little rectangular case that can be put into your product and design to add tactile feedback. Uh, looks like it also can be used as a bone conduction transducer if desired. But what it's really good for is um, adding little uh, clicks and tacks and ticks to your product uh, for haptic feedback. Um, this particular one is, uh, you know, just having some stats here. Um, the resonant frequency, you know, when you use your driver, uh, just make sure you can drive an eight ohm um, impedance. So that's, it's quite low. You'll need quite a bit of current. Um, and uh, the resonant frequency is about uh, 80 Hertz. So set up your driving frequency to set the AC voltage at about 80 Hertz, and that will get you the best reaction. Okay. So what is haptic feedback? Because uh, I was actually kind of researching what what is haptics and when was it used. So this is like a very early haptics um, patent that I found off of, uh, you know, linked off of Wikipedia. And basically uh, it was often used for when you have an uh, electronic interface to something that's mechanical. It used to be mechanical and you want to give feedback to the user to let them know when they've hit a limit or um, there's something that would uh, give them negative feedback towards their position movement. What it's often used for um, was uh, aviation. So historically, um, you know, if you look at old videos of airplanes, you'd have a yoke, right? This is the control interface for the plane, and the yoke would me be mechanically connected to, um, I think they're called aerolions or flaps, I think is what we call them when we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, the flaps on the wings and the flaps on the tail and the rudder to help steer which way you want the plane to go. Um, this is what, you know, an old plane that the rudder cables look like. And those would literally be like strung from the flaps to the cockpit and then you'd control the yoke. And what was really nice about this is that you could feel the vibrations and movement of the air through those cables. It was both directions, like as you pulled and pushed and twisted the yoke, you could feel how the cables and the rudder would fight against you. That was your force feedback. So you kind of knew what your airspeed was. Um, you know, turbulence obviously shakes the whole thing, but you get a sense of how your plane is moving and how it's reacting to the air, which can help you become a better pilot and um, avoid issues like accidentally crashing to the ground. However, um, the problem with having direct connections to the rudder cables is that you need to be very strong. Like if you have a lot of force in the air fighting against you, you have to really like push against the yoke or pull it or twist it in order to fight the air that's, you know, uh, on the other side of the rudder that's pushing against you. You have to be very strong. And like if you're in trouble, like if you're in a storm, you might be running out of strength and then you could get in trouble because you can't fight against that air pressure anymore. So. Um, to simplify and also allow things like autopilot, we have the creation of fly-by-wire. This is like an early, this is actually from like NASA, this photo, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, you can tell that they... Do you think digital had to use the uh, 
check. check yeah, the font. check font. Yeah, this is the font I use for hacking. I actually worked with Digital Equipment Corporation, um, or whether it's just digital. Uh, it was like just the check yeah. but um this is the, the nasa fly by wire also again you know as you get into more and more complicated airplanes people you know, like one yoke in the buns was not enough you had to have everything automated as uh, so people actually had a shot of being able to control it um but you know yeah. in addition this is from ready player one uh, uh, i thought this was from uh the apple keynote from like yesterday oh sorry <laughs> Oh, it's only $3,500. Uh, so in addition to, you know, okay, so, so, uh, you know, aeronautics and also um, automobiles were, are also drive by wire. And so you'll have force feedback in those, but a second use case is for entertainment. So, you know, this is this famous haptic suit from the Ready Player One movie and book. Um, and it's covered all over with haptic feedback interfaces, maybe LRIs, LRAs from Vibronics. Uh, so that when you, uh, you know, fight or run or chase or, you know, whatever, uh, play games in um, the metaverse, you would feel it on your body. And so it gives you a strong connection to this virtual world you're in. Um, so, you know, that's, of course, a movie recreation. Um, you know, the first uh, commercial um, haptics vest was this thing called like the Aura Interactor, which I thought was neat. It was kind of like a wearable subwoofer. And you could see it's like feel punches, explosion kicks uppercuts, slam dunks, crashes, and more. So it was for gaming. Yeah. Um, gaming, you know, often has new technology. Like there was these VR haptic suits, but they were very, very expensive. But gaming is actually kind of where um, this haptic technology... Fun be. side story. If you, if you go through a really deep rabbit hole, I made a version of Operation on the Pocket PC that would send sound to a vest I was wearing. So if you messed up taking me apart in Operation, I would get, you know, jolted in the yeah this was 20 years ago this is a long time ago this is like 90 95 and then 97 um also gaming included since it's like a screenshot from um for people who remember from nintendo 64 they introduced the rumble pack which would have force feedback on um the controller when you played nintendo games um and this is an i fix a teardown of the dual shock and the dual shock is another controller um, so i'm kind of making my way through the history of of, of tactile feedback and what it was really uh, commonly used for and you can see on the bottom there um to the bottom left um in the like the palm holding section of the controller there are these two circular motors and they have this kind of half disc cut and attached onto the motor the motors are round and then the half disc is kind of half moon shaped um and these are called uh erms so eccentric rotating motors and here's an eccentric rotating motor from vibronics they can be any size you take any dc motor and you put um, an eccentric weight on it. It's not symmetric. And so as it rotates, it vibrates, and that gives you that force feedback. Um, and uh, eccentric rotating motors are very popular for use with, say, um, your phone will vibrate when you have a call. They're very good for, like, big vibrations. So um, like that interactor vest or your rumble pack. It's, it is a rumble feeling. What they're not really good for is click feelings. So a lot of people these days, you probably have a mobile phone and you maybe you use the um, on-screen keyboard and you may notice that as you're typing on the on-screen keyboard, you get this tactile feedback, this click tech sound and um, feeling into your fingers. And it helps um, make the gl clear glass surface feel more like, um, okay, I'm actually pressing a button, even though you're not, of course, technically pressing a button. I remember the Kindle was an, also an early um, use of tactile feedback. When you clicked the next page that um, the Kindle would kind of vibrate a little bit to let you know that you've switched the page. So a good way, you know, as more surfaces are becoming capacitive touch, clear glass, you want to have some tactile feedback, you'll want to use something like an ERM. Uh, sorry, an LRA. ERMs are good for vibrations. LRAs are great, are better for tactiles because they're faster. Um, You're not, you know, for the motor, if you're spinning up the motor uh, to move this eccentric uh, weight, you have to kind of get the motor going and you have to slowly ramp it up. And they can be fairly fast, but um, they're not going to be as fast as an LRA. And here's an LRA um, uh, cross-section from Vibronics. Um, you can see it's a lot more complicated to build, so they're going to be a little bit more expensive. Um, but inside, uh, there's a spring and there's uh, the weight and there's a magnet. And then when you put the AC voltage across it, and that's another thing, you need to use an AC voltage, not DC voltage, um, the magnet will vibrate up and down so the magnet will vibrate up and down making the weight vibrate up and down the spring will push back on it and you've got this very quick 
uh, tactile feeling that, um, as you remember from the data sheet, can uh, activate within 80 hertz. Um, and I'll show the video because it's kind of cool. There's an X-ray on the DigiKey website from Vibronix showing um, this product, and you can see inside the spring, and then the weight and the magnet. Um, the the springs are also used for uh, passing the current through, and that's what causes the um, LRA to vibrate. So um, Vibronix shows you know a bunch of products it's used for. Uh, so you can see this is like the some Samsung phones. They also had it in like one of the Nexus tablets. What a coincidence, Nexus is everywhere. Usually you don't solder to the tabs, although there are some solder tab ones. It looks like it's common to have spring contacts, and that lets the motor vibrate from within like the cavity in your product. Um, and it gives the case, it makes the case kind of a, a larger resonant cavity for um, the vibration of the LRA. You will need something to drive it. Again, you can't use it with DC voltages like you can with um, the ARMs. ARMs are much simpler. LRAs, you need AC voltage. Um, there's a couple that are recommended. The one that I've used is the TIDRV2605, which is in stock at DigiKey. It's very easy to use and it has uh, I squared C input. And then, um, you know, we have a breakout as well. You can connect your LRA or ERM on the output. And um, particularly neat about the DRV2605, uh, you do pay a little bit more, but it has this cool collection of waveforms that are built in uh, and they're licensed waveforms that you get a free license for when you purchase the chip. So the motions like the clicking and the bumping and the transitioning, so it's like, you know, whoop, click, click, all that stuff uh, with different strengths already pre-programmed into the DRV2605. So it's really, really easy. I mean, yes, you could DIY this yourself uh, with an H bridge and a little bit of work, but instead you can just use the DRV2605 and get started very quickly. Um, and it will work with any of the, the Vibronics LRAs. Available on DigiKey. They're in stock. And there's a bunch of different ones. This is just the one that we, uh, you know, this is the featured one. But check out, they have like a huge range of different sizes and shapes. There's round ones, there's square ones, there's rectangular ones. Um, and then we've got a cool video. Yeah, this is what you want to show. So. Which maybe you can hide us. Um, uh, it shows uh, an x-ray as, as they inspect uh, the vibration. You can see oh, how cool. quickly it activates. I mean, it's like basically instantaneous as you can get sharp clicking effects that are harder to get with an ERM. All right. Okay. So this is that this week's INFPI. Hi, INFPI. Okie dokie, we're going to jump right into new products. Before we do that, the code is audio. BFF, video to kick it. New, 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 Okay, a little reminder, we have Circuit Playgrounds back in stock. I just wanted to mention that before we jump into... We've got some cool rotary encoders. Um, rotary encoders usually they come in small sizes, but someone pointed out these awesome large CNC rotary encoders. Um, these are 60 millimeters in diameter. Um, they've got 100 clicks per rotation, which actually makes sense if you're using it for CNC because you'll want to get, um, you know, one hundredth of an inch or a hundredth of a centimeter or a hundredth of a meter. Um, they have a nice clicky feel. On the bottom, uh, you have terminal blocks that are really easy to wire to, and you get your standard rotary encoder kind of grade code out. Uh, the VCC can be like any voltage, I think, basically. It just uh, is the other side of the uh, positive connection. And the ground is, you know, your reference ground, and then A and B tick up and down. So use any rotary, two-wire rotary encoder uh, library. There's also on the bottom, uh, if you look really quickly, yeah, the other, the other yeah, there's um, A and B is duplicated at the bottom. There's negative A and negative B. Sometimes you want like the opposite polarity. They're also available. Yeah. And we have them in silver uh, and in black. Um, you can, I believe you can remove uh, that little knob if you want it to be just like something you yeah. grab with your fingers. This is cool. Um, but yeah, originally used for CNC machines. So let me show a quick demo. But these are very... Uh, satisfying to you clicky 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 okay so let me auto focus okay so this is the uh rotary encoder and uh i just you know quickly wired this up to a feather there's some mounting holes here uh i believe the day sheet has the mounting orientation it has a really nice heavy feel it's like it's really hefty 
and the clicks you can really feel the clicks they're very um strong so this is good for a precision work but you can also rotate it very quickly and then uh, let me just plug in my demo one moment usb-c goes here is the big knob removable or is it permanent the big knob is not just the little little knobule okay so this is my little demo written in circuit python i'm using the rotary uh encoder library it sounds just like the um sound that i have for top secret yeah it is it's like it's it sounds like I should, um, I should put a mic on that it's reminiscent of like um a safe. a safe it has that same clicky feel or um no masterlocks didn't have the clicky feeling but like a yeah it definitely vibrates as you move it and it's this is nice. it's nice it's easy I to get yeah it's easy to get precision um and of course you can what's nice about the wheel is that you can yeah you have oh, to this would be good for a escape room yeah you can like rotate this uh, fast. that's what the that's what this knob is for so it's precision is this way and speed is this way so um two colors silver and black very okay cool. i love this stuff okay next up next up we've got uh from monk makes monk makes um has written many a guide and a tutorial for Adafruit um, and is very skilled at making really high quality hardware. And I really like this very simple four-way MOSFET switch. Um, it's a big PCB, but it kind of does everything you want with controlling solenoids or motors. Um, this is for, uh, I think he designed it originally for um, people doing um, model train stuff where you have to turn on and off 12 volts, you know, switches constantly and they might be inductive or they might be LEDs. Two amp MOSFETs, uh, each one has protection flyback diode. It also has a really cool feedback LED and it has a terminal block input, terminal block output. So I'll show you on the overhead. Hold on, I got I gotta zoom this out because this is a big demo. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what okay. I've got here. Hold on. There's so much on here. Thank you. Thank you, my fine assistant. So I have, uh, you know, my Metro Mini, which is an Arduino compatible, and it's just sending the PWM signals, and the PWM signals go into the um, header here. So I'm only using three. That's why there's like one hole missing. So you have uh, here red, green, blue, and uh, brown. That's ground. So that goes in. That's the signal. So PWM signal goes in. Then you need the power. So the high voltage power up to 16 volts comes into the terminal block. I've got it here through a DC jack, and then when I un you know, when I plug this in and unplug it, this uh, little yellow LED, which is the light bulb, lets me know that the power is good. And I think it's nice is this extra little detail here. You see the PWM um, outputs are also visible as these little LEDs to let me know that that uh, terminal block is activated. So this is connected to an RGB LED strip, uh, which requires 12 volts and you know an amp of power. Um, the 12 volts comes into here and is switched by these MOSFETs so that, you know, this signal is three volt logic or five volt logic, whatever, uh, safely goes in and, uh, turns on and off. This is PWM'd, um, at high speed, the high voltage 12 volt power coming into the terminal block. So I'm using it for a high power LED driving, but also really good for solenoids, uh, relays, pumps, you know, unidirectional motor control kind of anything that you need to do up to 16 volts and two amps. Okay. Start the show besides you later. Oh, no, wait, there's one more. One more. We've also got, uh, a, as a partnership with Tomorrow Lab, we have this cool hack box. Um, it's meant to be used with PyLeap, our application that allows you to do yeah. no-code programming with the Adafruit Clue Board. And uh, we've got a bunch of projects that you can do uh, that Tomorrow Lab will be releasing. Um, we've got the Clue um we've got uh, rgb led with neopixels that uh, clip on so you can do addressable led projects clip on servo and servo driver so you can do little robotics projects portable battery pack and enclosure batteries um looks like some fun stickers from tomorrow labs usb cable and a lanyard uh, for making portable projects we've linked from the product page to the PyLeap guides that you can follow along and also digikey will be doing some work with these Okay, now this time I mean it. The story should besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers, and everyone who makes the things go in the community is 
the i2s amp bff i love these bffs we have our cutie pie boards and seed has their shower boards and maybe you want to be making very small projects uh well we've had a bunch of bffs that add um uh neopixel level shifting that add battery support uh, we have one that's coming out with iSpy. Um, and one of the things that I thought would be really useful is to be able to have high quality audio come out because um, a lot of the cutie pies that we have don't have uh, analog outputs. And maybe you want to make a little music player or a prop or some toy that makes audio sounds. So this i2s amplifier is a great three watt amp. Uh, it uses three pins. Um, and on the ESP32 and RP2040 and NRF52840, Cutie Pie and Chow boards, you can use any pins. I will say this doesn't work in this configuration with the SAMD21. It could work, but you'd have to cut the traces and rewire it. And let me see if I've got my demo. So um, let's go to the overhead again. I don't know if this will work, but we'll try. If not, I can just show it off. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, I've got music coming out of here, so you can hear the audio. Do, 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 do. So this is actually streaming using the ESP32, and it's connected to an MP3 server that's streaming our frequency that's so cool. um, record that Tom White did. Uh, he was uh, zero here at Adafruit. Uh, so it's streaming the audio out, and it's sending the data over I2S, which is digital, which then is connected to this molex pico blade connector so to keep it nice and small we're using molex pico blade um you can you, you know i just grabbed one of, in the shop we have the little pigtails and i soldered it to this four ohm three watt speaker which is the max you can drive with this by default it's set up to be um stereo so you see this r and l you leave them empty and it means it's mixing the left and right channels to make a stereo output which will sound great for 99% of use cases. If you ever just want the left or right channel, you would solder um, one of those bridges closed. Uh, it's also connected to A0, A1, and A2 for the um, data pins. So in the back, I think, yeah, the default is D, it is A0. Left, right, word select A1, and bit clock is A2. But you can cut these traces, and then there's these little pads you can solder to, and you can like solder little wires if desired. Uh, to connect to um, other pins. Again, for the SAMB21, you'd have to do that. What's nice is the um, RP2040, ESP32 series, and the NR52840 can use any pins for I2S. Uh, so, you know, you can use those defaults or you can change them as desired. And um, it gets you nice, high-quality digital audio. So if you want to make um, music players, I mean, again, this one is streaming, but what you could do is... Um, Especially on the RP2040, which has eight megabytes of onboard storage with the QSPY Flash in CircuitPython. You can easily play fairly long audio clips. Uh, it even supports MP3 through I2S. Arduino also has some I2S support, but it's not as good, honestly, as CircuitPython, which kind of we, we've really tried to make it have uh, first class support for streaming MP3 or WAV files. Uh, this ESP32 demo is in Arduino. It's just one of the demos that I found published for um, I2S MP3 streaming, um, and that works fine too. You can also use 8 ohm speakers, um, but you know, 4 ohm, 4 ohm, 3 watt will get you the most audio. So for like five bucks, you've got digital quality audio coming out uh, with a Class D amplifier. Um, I really love the Max 98 uh, 357 chip on here. It's a very good quality audio amplifier, and it makes for a lovely little board to add to your. SemiQT or Cheryl. That's new products. New, 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 new. Okay, well, don't forget, um, the code is audio BFF. You can get one of those. That's such a cute little BFF. Um, we're going to do some top secret. Yeah, I just had a couple boards that showed up. I thought we could, we could show them all. One I lost already. Okay. So this week's top secret lady Ada, while you're looking for these things, do you want me to go to the overhead? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think I showed this okay. one. So people are probably gonna ask, like, hey, for the audio board, what if you added a micro USB, micro SD card slot? Uh, I do have a prototype um, that has the micro SD and I2S amplifier. Um, we were out on holiday last weekend, so I didn't get to test this. Uh, but there will be a version. It's very compact. It's not as configurable, right? Like you can't cut the traces because um, first of all, it uses almost all the pins. And second, there's just like no space for anything else. But you can 
uh, put in a micro SD card and then um, play stuff over I2S. And then I got some other boards. I got this SGP41. This is kind of cool. This is a gas sensor that also does uh, NO2 or NOx sensing, not just uh, volatile organic compounds. And then, you know, I've, I've fallen behind a little bit on catching up on all the uh, time of flight sensors available from ST. So this is the VL53L5CX. This is the one that does an 8x8 grid. Um, so it'll be cool. Uh, you know, Arduino support I know exists from ST. I'll see if we can get CircuitPython support going as well. Okay. I need to, someone noted the uh, Top Secret logo. Is, uh, it's, it's, well, I mean, yeah, we had this going. And that's uh, Top Secret this yeah. week. Okay. I had a couple of questions lined up. You can put them in the chat. We get to all of that. We were answering some along the way, but uh, we'll, uh, you know. Yeah. We'll do the thing. Drop them in the Discord. Yeah, you can put them there. Okay. For the next few minutes. So first, uh, Blade Data, can you adjust the spring strength of the... The D10? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'll be honest, I did not open this up. You, you might be able to. Um, you might be able to remove the D10. I don't know if you can change the strength. Mm. Um, are there enough BFFs now to make a little cutie pie BFF board cube? You could. Yeah, I think we have, I think we have six total BFFs, right? Ooh. At least soon we will have the micro SD, the battery, the NeoPixel, the I2S amp. I don't know where else we've got. We got a couple on a keypad. Yeah. Uh, what's the three volt NeoPixel board that we were talking about? Is that the. Um... The, there's a cutie pie bff neopixel and um so that's for going on the back of the cutie pie and it gives you like a five volt boosted output and we also put in the neo driver which is an i squared c to neopixel converter okay if you had to guess this was a question for me if you had to guess how many files eagle cad files do you think you published online well i know we have about 550 designs because I keep track of that yeah we also we have at least that we have 600 plus certifications on Oshawa. Yeah, because I think every room, sometimes if I make a big enough revision, so maybe 600 yeah. different designs. Yeah, that's 600 is probably right. Yeah. Okay. Um, any issues putting the cutie pie and the BFF close to the speaker magnet? I would keep it away in case the EMF is, is I mean, the, the Class T amp is designed to, to not have EMF issues, and we put a filter on it. I wouldn't put it right next to the speaker, especially near an antenna. Um, just in case it, it has an effect on it, but you could, you know, have a little wire going away. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I'm going to call it. Yeah, we need to get out of here at nine this week, and we're going to do it. So okay. the questions. That's it. Um, don't forget the code is audio BFF. That'll get you one of these. Get you some fun and cool. Um, special thanks to Zay. Make tiny little audio projects. Yeah. Um, special thanks to Zay for anything behind the scenes in our Adafruit Slack, helping out, and more. All of our customers, all of the community, everyone on the Adafruit team, friends, people online. Happy Pride Month. Um, stay safe. Keep those masks. You never know when you'll need them again. Uh, like we are in New York. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody.